We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, let's go out to Vegas. Our guy Ross Tucker has been with us all through the football season. He is literally in Vegas at 4.56 a.m. calling us, which means he did not have the kind of night last night in Vegas you're supposed to have in Vegas. Or did he? Or did he? And he just never went to sleep. Uh-huh. And perhaps that's why he mm. wanted to be on so early. Ross, yep. have you slept yet? Uh, yes, I have, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. Come uh, on, man. Couldn't you give us a story? Couldn't you just make it up? Lie. Couldn't you tell us about the Moonlight Bunny Ranch or something man, interesting? Come I on, man. I can totally hear it in your voice, man. I can hear the <laughs> sleep dripping off your voice right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, it's funny, like, I did have fun last night. I saw my buddy uh, Kyle Brandt from NFL Network, and uh, he's my college roommate. Team. I had a couple beers with him, and I went to the Western One dinner. I had a great time. Good. I awesome. Just, I'm at the age, you know, Joe, uh, John, you guys should be able to appreciate this. I just start earlier and finish earlier. I still have plenty of fun, <laughs> but I, I, I go from like 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. as opposed to 10 p.m. to yeah. 2 a.m., yeah. especially when I'm when I have to uh, – get up and do all my stuff, sure. you know, very early here. I will say this, though. You know, the, the radio row here where I'm at is at the Mandalay Bay Convention Center, and in typical Vegas fashion, there's no way, guys, to get to Radio Row and the Convention Center without walking to the casino. Like, that, oh, that's the course. first thing they must think of, of everything. <laughs> so yesterday, I'm walking to the casino, and there's a guy at a slot machine, and he has a woman giving him a scalp massage, at 4:22 a.m. <laughs> wow! And I'm thinking he probably is still up. He probably this is not like he's not like an early riser like me. He's staying up. So I went over and I said I was curious. You know they give you free drinks when you're gambling. I was wondering like I'm not a big like I don't like gambling, but if I get like a free massage while I'm doing it, that might change the uh, the equation a little bit. So I asked her. It's two dollars a minute for a scalp massage. Two dollars a minute. So twenty bucks, ten minutes for a scalp massage. Not bad. Can I, I? So not bad, but Ross, I want to tell you what you should do, and then we'll actually get to football. But Joe's booking his ticket right uh, well, now. By the way, Ross, I had a barber in Huntington Valley growing up. This is the damn weirdest thing anyone listening right now is going to hear all day. But this barber did it, and I highly recommend it. And Joe still talks about but it. But don't sue constantly. me. Don't sue me if this goes awry. All right. The barber at the end of the haircut would take a vacuum cleaner, like the hose thing, and he would rub it. On your scalp. It would suck up all the hairs that were like the little extra hairs that were just, they've been chopped, but they're sitting on your head. And it just felt great. Probably removed dandruff. Oh, it was beautiful. All right. So you got dandruff. I've never heard of that in my life, but it sounds dandruff cure. Oh, it was reasonable. I'm telling you, try it. Put the vacuum cleaner hose (laughs) over the head. Turn, turn it on and just sit there and enjoy. Oh, no. I don't know that this should be advisable. Yeah. I advised. Especially not with children. Oh, my God. All right, Ross, let's get to it. Um, let's, let's start with um, you, and I've seen national headlines surrounding this, and you've referenced this on our show. You really think that the Chiefs are going to win this game, don't you? 
Well, I don't know what's going to happen in the game, but I think if they play ten times, I think the Chiefs will win seven or eight. Yeah, yeah. And I and I don't understand why are the Niners a favorite, Ross? I'm I'm glad you asked that. I literally have asked. So you guys know I have that betting show, uh, the Even Money podcast. And so here's the deal. Here's what I was told. Okay, by the people that set the line. The people that set the lines try very hard to not overreact to any one game or two games. They try to look at the entire body of work. And everything they do is based on power ratings and is based on compared to an average team. So essentially throughout the year, they thought the 49ers were basically the best team and that they were about nine points better than an average team. That's how they rated them. And a lot of that has to do with, like, yards per play and efficiency and stuff. And the Niners were had it rolling all year, right? Well, they have the Chiefs as basically six and a half points better than an average team based upon the entire season. So while I understand the larger sample size and while I understand, you know, not overreacting too much, man, I disagree with them. What they're basically saying is over the 20 games or whatever these two teams have played, you know, they think the Niners are the better team. And I think that's great. But doesn't what we've seen over the last three weeks matter a lot more? I mean, you know, the Chiefs have been the better team in all three playoff games, including at Buffalo and at Baltimore. The Niners have been very, very fortunate to win these last couple games. Twice. They should have been beaten twice. Exactly. Twice. So, So my whole thing is, like, I think, I don't think when they set the lines, I don't think they heavily weight enough what we've seen recently. And they might say, well, it's only two or three games. Well, like in the NBA, that would be like 20 games. I mean, if a team was this good, like the Chiefs are 20 games, and the Niners were struggling over 20 games, we wouldn't think anything of it. So anyway, I think the Chiefs are the better team. I think they're going to win the game. Let me try to convince you just a little bit, uh, like to try to take some of the confidence uh, uh, away. Uh, uh, This 21 personnel – against nickel and dime looks 21 what the what kansas city's defense was able to do during their their playoff run it's been incredible but it's been a lot of the the smaller guys you know the the nickels and 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 dimes where you you got dbs substituted into the game this 49ers team is the perfect team to say hey the heck with your tiny little people we're gonna run 21 22 23 personnel and just mash you they, and, and well, stay ahead this yeah, I mean, this that, is the team that, that can that, do that i i would think john that that's what they will try to do i think it's what they should do and i think for listeners if you don't know the first number john's saying is the number of running backs so if it's just 21 that means they have the fullback in the game use check the second number is the number of tight ends right so 22 personnel it's two running backs and two tight ends yep. and so it's like you're going with bigger people you're trying to run the ball at them and that's what they should do. And that's what the, obviously the Ravens should have done. I mean, yeah. think about this for a and second. They imagine, didn't. Imagine, if, imagine if we were in Baltimore, okay? The Ravens this year were the Eagles last year in the sense that they were the best team and they had a lot of statistics to back that up. They came out against the, 40, uh, against the Chiefs and they had three receivers the whole game, even though the three receivers for the Ravens were like, yeah. Rashad Bateman, Odell Beckham Jr., Aguilar. Like, it was their worst offensive players. And the best defensive players for the Chiefs are their DBs. Like, yep. they, they are going crazy in Baltimore, insane. and they should. It, it was nuts. Right. Yeah, Ross Tucker with us here again from Vegas early in the day out there. Um, all right, Ross, let's 
get to the Eagles here for a moment because obviously I'm curious. You talk to a lot of people. You're surrounded by all t- you know thousands of football people. I'm sure a lot of people ask you your opinion of the Eagles because they know you're from Philly. When you get their opinion, the national people, what do they think happened here this season with the Eagles? Yeah, I think that they think that the Eagles just totally collapsed. And what I've noticed is there's not – and I don't know what the opinion of Sirianni is in the city right now. I, that actually would be an interesting poll question. I'm sure you guys have done it, but I'd be curious to hear how people are feeling about Sirianni. I guess what I would say is that the perception is that nationally, I don't think Sirianni is as respected as maybe I respect him or others do. I think the perception is that Sirianni, you know, kind of lost the team. I don't really know how else, you know, if you're national and you're not there every day, what else would you think? You know what I mean? Like if yeah. this happened for another well, also team the an- else, Ross, the antics yeah. looked ridiculous. Like the fact that the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl and that's the team in whatever it was, November, I think, when he walked off the field and I can't a couple words I can't say coming out of his mouth, but you know, basically take that Chiefs fans. It's like, come on, come on, coach. I mean Well, and that's come on. and that's the problem. So it's so it's funny, Joe. When they're winning and he does that stuff. We all, I, mean, I, I don't know about you guys. I did not. I did not no, like it. I, I, I didn't love it, but also a lot of the fans do, and it's kind of funny, and you like that he's intense and he's got a chip on his shoulder or whatever. Well, Got to back know, it up. He, the other teams hate it, and then they're happy when the Eagles struggle then because they feel like Sirianni's kind of getting what he deserves yeah. for some of his antics. Yep, that's exactly right. Russ, we're going to see Mahomes on Sunday, and it's the fourth time he's going to be in a Super Bowl. Six straight years he's been in a conference title game. Um, same question I asked Ramil a couple weeks ago. Obviously, Mahomes can't have the same level of accomplishment as Brady because he hasn't played as long as him or, or Montana, but quality of play at their best. Mahomes, Brady, Montana, at their best. Quality of play. Who are you taking? Uh, um, I'd say Mahomes. Yeah, I, I think I think Mahomes, to this age, you know, till 28, I think he's had the best career so far, and I think he's able to do things that those other guys are not. But he's also, I think, this year learned having a really good defense to not force it. You know, I mean, in the playoff games, like against the Ravens, you know, it was very anti Andy Reid and Mahomes. They they kind of got real conservative. And said, you know what? We're up by ten. Our defense is awesome. The Ravens are screwing this up. Let's just not blow it. That that goes against everything that Mahomes wants to do. You guys know the way Andy is. So I give him a lot of credit, I guess, now for being patient. It's almost like he's like flipped with Brady, right? You know, early in Brady's career, Brady was winning a lot of it was a lot of defense and just like some timely passes, right? And then later in Brady's career, he was putting up huge numbers. Mahomes this year has kind of been the opposite, right? Where the first few years putting up gigantic numbers with Tyree Kill, this year he's more leaning on the defense a little bit. I actually have two questions for you guys. What um, what do people back there want? Do they want they want the Chiefs to win because they they hate the Niners? Is that fair? Yeah, well, we'll do a poll on Friday, but we did one last week, I think, and more people wanted the Chiefs, and it's not 
a pro-Chiefs. It's anti-Niners. Yeah, we had that poll, so, I think, so on Monday. I actually want the Niners. 81% Chiefs, I believe. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, last week. That's right. So I want my, the Niners my... to win for the run game to win, Rob. Oh, stop. <laughs> oh, my God. The oh, run God. game so, can so make I a comeback, two... a resurgence. So I, I have two thoughts on this. Number one, how about the fact that, and I, and I posted this on uh, social media yesterday, at Ross.NFL. How about the fact, I don't, did you guys see last week, the Niners owner, Jed York, was asked about the Super Bowl in 2019 and what he remembers from it. What he said? And he said, I remember Nick Bosa getting held on third down in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And then they asked Nick Bosa last week what he thought of the Chiefs' offensive line. He said, I think the offensive tackles hold a lot. And now the big story out here is they're complaining about the practice field. Like, yeah. the practice field at UNLV isn't up to stuff. Like, there's a reason why people call them the 40 whiners. And so they're just not likable, even though I think they have some likable players. The flip side, though, isn't it better kind of for the Eagles if the Niners win it this year and kind of get it out of their system? Because they're not going to win it back-to-back. You know what, Ross? It's better for the Eagles if the Niners win it this year? Here's where I go no on that. I view it more through the prism of the Eagles winning that NFC Championship game last year. Now, maybe this has already got a big bite out of it, but that NFC Championship glory – will never be as glorious if San Francisco comes back and wins the Super Bowl the next year. That's a good that's point. That's shoving it up the Eagles organization and the Eagles fans' nostrils, and that's no And then that, And then they're able to claim yeah. that that's what would have happened the year before yeah. if Hassan Reddick didn't hurt Purdy. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's no fun. All right, Ross, final thing here. You going to Jaws' party? You, you, you know, that's a good question, on, actually. I'm, I'm, uh, are you going? Are you coming out? Dude, I am tethered. To Philadelphia and WIP radio, all right? <laughs> no, you know what? Um, I might try to do that, actually. I'm taking the It's a great party. Back. You should. I'm actually taking the red-eye back Thursday night because my daughters have uh, daddy-daughter dance Friday night at their new school, so I was like, I'm not missing that. Um, Look at you. So, um, nice. I may, uh, I, may do the, uh, I may do the Jaws party because that might, that might aid in my sleeping on the red-eye back in Philly. <laughs> nice. On the Hey, so my last question, real quick, Joe. Sure. What are people saying about the Brazil game? Unha- like what, unhappy what the for, the, for the most part, uh, unhappy because it's week one. Okay. I just thought, you know, I know, I, I know so many season ticket holders. I was just curious how they were feeling about, I mean, for those people, those are like their holidays. I was curious how they were feeling about losing one. Yeah, I mean, we had divergent answers on this yesterday, but I think the, the primary thing that came through, and this is certainly the way I feel, it's cool to have an international game. It's a bummer to lose a home game, but that's going to happen every so often. But after a season where they just had such a ridiculous schedule and so many nighttime games and not Sunday at one games, why does the next season have to start on a freaking Friday night in Brazil? And I, find, I, I agree with that. I mean, that's irritating. I could have some negative feelings about this if, it, if it's against the wrong team. If this ends up being against a divisional opponent that it feels like we uh would have been better served at home at the link against them yeah i might get we'll dive into that in a bunch we gotta look we gotta look at who they're playing and, and pick a team all right ross have fun out there my man it's nice you're coming back for your kids you're you're a good dad but uh have a good time and you're right to pick the chiefs and by the way ross this game literally could come down to whether the chiefs receivers catch the ball if they catch the ball the chiefs win 
if they drop it, it'll yeah, cost them some third. I'd be surprised. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think the Chiefs win seven or eight times, but this yeah. might be one of those two or three times where the Niners win. Ross, stay well, man. Have a good trip back. Thanks, pal. All right, see you guys. Take All right, care. There he is, Ross Stalker. 215-592-9494. Later in the show, we'll go through the schedule. And, try, and when I say schedule, the opponents, and try to figure out which team the Eagles will play. Dave Dombrowski joins us in 20 minutes. A deep dive on the fills with Dombrowski in 20 minutes. Phone calls before and after that as well, 94 WIP. Hey, football fans, FanDuel uh, Sportsbook, in partnership with Valley Forge Casino, has the perfect way for you to get involved with Super Bowl 58 and all the action with a no-sweat, same-game parlay. When you bet Super Bowl 58, one game, obviously uh, – one win can win you a lot, but more than one win, you make two bets, make three bets, make four bets, that wins you even more. Combine them all, same game parlay, you can win big time. So get it in at FanDuel.com slash hammer. Now, so many ways to bet. As we were just talking, San Fran is a slight favorite in the game. If you think that's right, go for it. Think that's crazy talk, pick KC. But also all the player props, all the stuff related to before the game. How long's the anthem going to be? I don't know. You figure it out. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're looking forward to talking to Dave Dombrowski in 10 minutes. We haven't talked to him since, well, I guess since last season ended. And they go to spring training in a couple of days. We've got two different Twitter poll questions of the day today, both brought to us by Armin Chevrolet with red tag bonus cash in every new Armin Chevrolet Equinox. It ends soon. Find new roads to Armin Chevrolet. Visit ArminChevy.com. All right, first question. A lot of chatter here today on our show regarding whether we have already seen the best of Jalen Hurts in his career. Meaning, does he ever get back to the level of play that he put out there in 2022? Have we seen his best? Yes or no? You can vote at Sports Radio WIP on Twitter. The second question, uh, has the Phillies offseason disappointed you? For many people, I know it has. It has not for, for me because I just didn't think there was that many things to change here. Um, the big key was to sign Nola or someone of his quality, and they did that by signing him. Um, but I know a lot of people say, hey, come on, we're on the precipice of winning a World Series. Let's add, you know, three or four more pieces and get it done. So where do you stand on that? Has it been a disappointing offseason for you? Because it has it has been a quiet offseason. And we'll certainly address that with Dave Dombrowski coming up. 215-592-9494. Ken and Cinnaminson joins us. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, friends. How are you today? Doing well, Ken. Hey, Ross Tucker's right. You can have a lot of fun between 8 o'clock and 1030 at night. And uh, at my age, I am living proof of that. So uh, <laughs> there you go. You know, uh, good on Ross. I- I'm really excited to hear Dave Dombrowski coming up here and hear what he has to say. Um, wanted to respond a little bit to a previous caller about the Phillies offseason. First of all, let me get something out of the way real fast. Johan Rojas is probably not going to break camp with this team. He's going to AAA. So the- the- Johan Rojas is not going to be every- the everyday center fielder on this team. Uh, there, there will be an addition at some point uh, for, for a right-handed bat, a corner outfielder at some point. It's going to happen. Um, but I'm not, I'm not at all disappointed in the, in the offseason because of what we saw in the second half of last year and the postseason in particular. And I said this a couple days ago, and I'm going to stick to it. 
Brandon Marsh is going to have a breakout year as an everyday player. He was he was the best player on the team in the entire postseason. If you look at his slash line in in the entire postseason, it's tremendous. And Daniel Murphy had a, had a great article in the Enquirer this morning that if you read it, um, you know he got on base an incredible number of times in in the postseason and in the last two games. He was on base at just an inexplicable number of times and never scored, and that's why they lost. Uh, I, I expect I expect Bryson Stott to contend for a batting title. I've seen a batting title in that kid since he came up. So there's just not a whole lot to fix. You think that batting title contention is this this year? Because um, I don't see I don't see that. Probably not this year, but I I would be shocked. I would not be shocked if he did hit 300 for most of the year. Well, Ken, I'll say this. I think the next step for Bryson Stott, honest to God, is not hitting the ball. It's walking. Well, like he, he can he can hit the ball, and he can hit the ball and foul it off. I just want to see him walk more. So here's what – would you trade the walks for the two-out hits? Because he's one of the best two, – or two-strike two hits. Because he's one of the best two-strike hitters in the league. And I don't think so, that's fluky. I think he's a great plate no, protector. He's a he's, great plate protector. He battles. He, he does. He's, he's got a good eye. Yeah. He always gives you a professional at bat. To me, that's the thing they're going to miss the most about Reese Hoskins is, A, you know, people talking about, you know, 30 home runs. is oh, We can come by that anywhere. So the people that are, that are acting like losing Reese Hoskins is just inconsequential. I don't get that. But Reese Hoskins also saw a lot of pitches and also get, also gave you great at bats. So I'm really interested to hear what what Dombrowski has to say coming up here. I'm sure he's not going to tip his hand, but um, there are options out there. Tommy Pham is still out there. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, th- this the core of this team one through eight. If you leave Rojas and AAA where he belongs, is still really, really, really good. I agree. Play. I can give me an answer. A goat that has a big separation from second place. Um, I don't really care too much about Usher, so I'm going to go a little different here. Uh, Joan of Arc is the greatest female military commander in the history of mankind. That's very interesting. Joan of Arc, female military commander. Boy, do we know who would be second. That's what I was just trying to think of. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That's a really fascinating answer. Okay. Jeez. Are we sending Ken to Usher even if he doesn't want to go? I don't know. <laughs> That's, uh, Who is to? I, like, you know you know what's messed up? Princess Leia Organa keeps coming into my head. I know that's <laughs> not the answer. But you know what came in my head from Game of Thrones, and we were going real life, not fiction, was, and she's not even that great, but the- uh, Brienne? No. The Cersei? No. The, the Theon's sister. Oh. Um, the Greyjoy. Oh my gosh. I forget her name. But yeah. Yeah, I know who you're talking the about. The Greyjoy. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, that's good fictional answer. Joan of Arc, maybe maybe a winning answer. All right, coming up, uh, answers from Dave Dombrowski in about four minutes. Also, more calls here coming up in one minute. Let's talk about my friends at Mount Holly Nissan. Tina Wright, the owner of Mount Holly Nissan, has a motto: Give the customers the right deal at the right price. Like right now, you can lease a twenty-four, a new twenty-four Nissan Sentra for only two hundred and fifty-nine dollars a month. It's a great deal. New Nissans are arriving daily, and they have a great selection of new and pre-owned Nissans to choose from. Minutes from all bridges, Mount Holly Nissan is the right dealership for you. Stop in or visit online at mthollynissan.com. That's mthollynissan.com. For all these detail, for all these deals, please see dealer for details. Um, hey, good morning, 826. So, James, uh, excuse me, Devin, it's sunny in this room where we are. So here's how we do the show. Me, John, and Devin in one room. Mm-hmm. Seltzer in the producer studio. 
Rhea in the in the newsroom, of course, doing the updates. Now, all five of us microphones on, but three different rooms, believe it or not, which probably surprises a lot of people listening. Like, we were actually in three different rooms, <laughs> but we can see each other. Yeah. Now, Devin and I are the two people in I this. I cannot see Jim. Well, you have a little bit of glare. You can see him, but just a little bit of glare. Yeah, I can't see James that well. Because of glare? Well, I, she's facing I, the wrong way. Faces. Well, yeah, but if you turn around. All right. <laughs> yeah. But here's my point. Devin, you you recognize that the sun has fully entered our room. It, yeah. Fully. It's It's been there. Yeah. And what do we notice about our boy John Ritchie? <laughs> he still has his jacket on. Yeah. Dude, what's up? <laughs> I don't know. You need me to take my jacket off? I don't give off? a damn. Like, I just feel I'm for you. I'm not too hot. It's, it's fashion, Joe. You know what? Mm. I have a question for you, Joe. Oh, please you're, don't you're make coming, it about you're fashion. You're coming at John for his uh, his coat, which it, it is funny that he still has it on. You have two collars on. I do. Like, do you have two collared shirts on? I right do. Now? It's a weird move. I have. Why? I have two. Is bizarre. I have two why? quarter zips on. The two quarter. You a double quarter zip? For, for, why? You went double quarter awful. zip for warmth, but it's a lot less than for this guy. Warmth. For this guy. What do you mean? Warmth. Double for warmth. You just wear a this shirt is just underneath. My jacket. Like. I have worn jacket after jacket to do our show okay. repeatedly. Yeah, I've never seen you double up on a quarter zip. Well, I have done it before. It's not often, but I've currently done it, and it's should, it's should definitely that just as weird it as is, wearing the jacket inside. Right. Well, and I won't according to the thermostat, I don't think it is seventy three degrees in here. So well, then turn it down, <laughs> no, John. That's weird too. You're both weird. It's both weird. Well, how did it get seventy three? I don't know. Okay, like, you're not do laundry again. It was 64. I do need to do laundry. Yeah, it okay. is that time. <laughs> All right, let's go to John in Philadelphia. Dombrowski shortly. Good morning, John. Hey, good morning, everybody. How are we today? Doing well, John. Good. I just want to touch real quick and I'll leave it into my second point. Do I think that we have seen the best of Jalen Hurts? The best answer I can give is maybe. And the reason why I say that is everybody says that, and John, you could – say this is right or wrong everybody talks about repetition in football and how important it is to have repetition to become better and to learn schemes and to learn your blocking and quarterback repetition is important in development so with all that being said like we had two new coordinators last year we again this year we have two new coordinators now do you think that it's time for them to realize like we need to do repetition and change the way training camp and the way practice schedule runs during the week to gain these repetitions because Yes. I feel like our offense got stale last year because we didn't have enough repetitions and we didn't have time to put anything new in. Yes, I, I think they will have to change things. I, and I think uh, Nick Sirianni actually referred to that at one point early in the season, uh, that, that he would consider the possibility of running things differently. You need more reps. And, and what the, the, the way they went with it, they dipped too far into the, uh, the, the unknown of just not practicing the walkthroughs got a, a little too easy. They got too far from a too, the work. A little too walky? A little too walky. <laughs> yep. Hey, uh, John, we got Dave Dombrowski ready to go. So give me an answer here. You can win Usher tickets. We got Steph Curry in town. Which goat has the biggest separation in his category from first place to second place? Uh, Selena Williams. Serena Williams. Interesting. So that would probably be against, I mean, Margaret, Margaret Court, Court has the, the grand slams. In modern times. Steffi. Or Martina. Yeah. Steffi or Martina, probably Chris Everett, fourth, probably in the last 40 years. All right, Serena Williams, interesting, interesting answer. All right, James, I still think your answer of John Williams for music scores might be the best answer. <laughs> I said it when I said it. So said Star Wars and what else? What else did he do? Superman and, oh, and Jaws and, I mean, Jurassic Park. <laughs> so many. Star Wars. Oh, my God. All right, let's talk to our next guest. Of course, the Phils are just a couple of days away 
uh, from spring training, pitchers and catchers, and then the uh, spring training thing, and then and then obviously late March, late March, this thing gets real with the start of a new baseball season. Let's welcome the president of baseball operations of the Philadelphia Phillies, Dave Dombrowski. Good morning, Dave. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? We are Good wonderful. Day, We're excited that baseball is going to be back upon us soon. I don't right. have to tell you the town needs it, you know, with the, the – the way the football season ended. So we're, we're looking forward to getting going. Dave, let's get to this here. So um, this season, this offseason, I should say, one that many people have referred to as a quiet offseason. Now, you guys had a massive signing with Aaron Nola and otherwise no particularly big moves. To the people that say quiet offseason, do you agree with that assessment? And if so, why quiet? Well, I think overall that assessment is accurate. I mean, quiet doesn't mean inactive i mean we've been active on many different things as far as staying abreast of what's going on but yeah it's been quiet after our first real big goal was to get a starting pitcher with aaron becoming a free agent of course we were fortunate to resign him which is a big signing for us that really stabilized our starting rotation and when you say well why i think there's a combination of factors one is we have a good club um that's apparent there's not gaping holes and we're also in an opportunity where giving opportunity to some of our young players which people are not usually very open-minded to or understanding but we think if we're going to be the organization that we would like to be throughout that we would we want to give young players an opportunity and with that and those guys are guys like christopher sanchez who did a good job for us and if you count christopher in that gives us five really established major league starters uh Kirkering in the bullpen and if he comes in that gives us six people three from the left hand side with Alvarado Soto Strom three from the right hand side with Sir Anthony Hoffman and then also with uh, Kirkering there and our positional players we want to give the opportunity to Rojas uh, he did not have a good postseason offensively but he played well for us beforehand he's an outstanding defensive outfielder so it makes us better right off the bat in that regard and so when you look at our infield, well, we have Harper, we have Stott, we've got Turner, we've got Bohm, we've got JT behind the plate, you've got Schwarber as your DH, you've got Stangos, you've got Marsh. Well, there, there's not a lot of other holes there if you're going to give Rojas the opportunity. And part of the thing which ends up taking place with rules and, and understanding is that, for example, if you sign a, a player that's a veteran outfielder, let's just say, and say, okay, well, we'll put him in there. Well, a, that doesn't really open an, an opportunity for Rojas. And, and what ends up taking place is, in our case, we've been involved with trying to sign some starting pitchers for depth purposes more so, relief pitchers for depth purposes. Although there have been a couple that would have been established guys for our, um, our bullpen, too, that we thought would definitely be an upgrade. But the, the free agents want guarantees that they're going to have that job, and we can't sign them a free agent starting pitcher that is, for example, we are involved in Yamamoto. People are aware of that. Well, you can guarantee Yamamoto a starting spot, but if you're going with that type of philosophy, um, most people are going to take a chance where they have the opportunity to go ahead and, and pitch or play there rather than come into our situation. Although we still stay abreast of what's going on and we're in a spot that not only now, but also during spring training, We'll keep abreast of what's going on with all clubs, and you never can tell what will take place. Dave, you mentioned Rojas a few times there. Do you think it is likely that he is a starter day one of this season or not? Likely, yes. Definitively, no. 
Um, so I think that's uh, the answer would be yes. Uh, we saw enough at the last couple of months in August and September um, that we really like what we saw. I've talked to our hitting people um, at length about his progress over the winter time. He's worked extremely hard. He's made adjustments that he needs to make. And not only uh, – I'm not saying he's going to come up and hit 300 with 20 home runs right off the bat – but I think he can do enough offensively and contribute from an offensive perspective. And when you add his speed in there um, and then his defense, all of a sudden um, he becomes a, a real plus for us. So, yes, I do think that he will be up, but he has to earn that. We're not going to just give it to him. Dave, we spent a lot of time as a show, and I'm sure a lot of people out there did, um, discussing and debating the merits of Rojas versus Reese Hoskins versus mm-hmm. a free agent. Namely, that you could have uh, put Kyle Schwerber back in left field and had Reese Hoskins as the DH while Bryce Harper would be the first baseman. How tempting or not was the option to keep Reese? How far did that go in your mind until you eventually said, okay, the Reese thing is over. We love him, but he's gone, and we're going with what we got here otherwise. Well, we love Reese Hoskins, first of all. I mean, he, you can't ask for a, um, a more stable individual that's a Philly organization person, that's a Philly city individual. Reese is a tremendous person. He and his wife, Jamie, did, did so much. He's also is a really good player. He can hit and hit with power. So he's a good player. He's a Philly from the very beginning. These are the type of things that are tough decisions. We felt um, in, in no um, – I don't mean this in a negative vein, but we think that one of the other biggest things we need to do was to try to get Kyle out of left field on a regular basis. Um, his knees over the last couple of years, last year he didn't run as well. He catches what he gets to. Uh, he's a good offensive player, but we think that the defense and the speed help us a great deal more. And so when you look at what our our situation is as far as what we think is a better club, we look at it with having – the outfield defense in, out there for us with some, of course, contribution from an offensive perspective. Well, if you do that, you move Schwarber to DH. Well, putting Bryce at first, there's just not that room for Reese. So that's really what it came down to. And I can understand we debated that ourselves. We had a lot of meetings in that regard. Um, you could also say, well, do you leave Bryce in the outfield? We think it's better at this point to move him to first base. We think he's going to be an outstanding defensive first baseman. And, and I, one thing that's not a, doesn't catch people's eyes that they're really not excited about a great deal. I get it. I mean, I, I love power hitting, right? You love everybody loves a home run. Defense doesn't get as much attention. But when all of a sudden you put Rojas in the outfield and you put Harper at first base, um, you become a really good defensive uh, ball club compared to the other combination of having uh, Schwarbs and left and, and Reese at first base. Dave, how important is it for you to re-sign Zach Wheeler, and when do you anticipate that'll take place? Well, we would love to sign Zach today if we could. Um, I think it's important that we re-sign him. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. I uh, really never get into negotiations publicly, but you can say it's something that's important for us, and we would love to get that done. So um, I, I know uh, Wheels loves it in um, Philadelphia, loves being part of the organization, and I would say that it's a priority for us. How happy are you with the current rotation and what's the likelihood you'd consider adding a starter like Jordan Montgomery or Blake Snell? Well, we're happy with our rotation. And when you look at it, 
in all the analytical aspects of it, too. I think they rank us as the number one rotation in baseball, so that's pretty good um, in, in a lot of things, or at least in the top three. So we like our rotation. We like it with Zach. We like it with um, you know Aaron Nola coming back. Uh, Suarez is really a good pitcher. The one thing we'd have to get out of Suarez, and he'll be in camp on time for the first time in a long time due to other time to immigration. And in the WBC, um, we'd like to get more innings out of him during the regular season, and we think we can do that. Um, Tyon Walker is a really good 3-4 type of starter. He won 15 games for us, but he pitched 170 innings. And then if you're going to give Sanchez the opportunity. So I can't tell you that somebody doesn't fall in your lap at some point and you say, gee, that's a, an opportunity we can't turn down. But I think you also have to always combine it with um, – we were in on a couple relief pitchers too. Um, we, we liked them. We thought that they would be positives for us. But, for example, the situation uh, with one, he wanted to go start somewhere. We didn't have a starting opportunity. We thought the guy was more is more of a relief pitcher. There was somebody else we were in on that we liked a lot. He wanted to go close to home, which was on the West Coast. It's like Yamamoto's situation. We were very involved in that, and I think people would be shocked if they found out how much money that we put on the table for him. But it really came down to, um, and even though there's a lot of regard for our organization, playing in the city, how we support the club, I mean, the atmosphere at the ballpark is second to none, but he wanted to go to the Dodgers. That was just the way it was. Um, and I don't know that it had as much to do with the presentation of other things that happened in his earlier in his life where he was more of a Dodger fan. So, um, again, you keep an open mind towards everything. I mean, every single day I'm, I'm looking at wh- who our list of players are, who might make sense for us. But, you know, for again, somebody might be, okay, you, you need a – and I can understand, hey, we could use a better bat off the bench, I've seen. Well, we might. We, that might end up happening. But in, in, in the outfield, what ends up happening is there's some people, if you try to sign them, they, they want, we want to be your left fielder or we want to be your center fielder. Well, right now, with giving Rojas the opportunity, um, those are things that we just can't do. But yet, look every single day, and you just can't tell what will end up happening. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned the WBC uh Last season, it, it sort of contributed to maybe a, a slower start. How will the organization do things differently this spring to hit the ground running to avoid the slow starts of the last two seasons? Well, and there's been meetings and uh, phone calls, and uh, Rob Thompson's been on it with our staff and participated in some of those calls. We'll have our meetings, of course, next week when everybody's here in person. But I think that um, we probably just need to be in a position that we're more focused on that, not just getting ready for the season to go from there, maybe turn it up a notch. Last year, there was a lot of things that that happened. So two years ago, a little bit different than I think last year. But last year, when you look at all our participants in the WBC, and I'm a supporter, I think WBC is great, but it didn't help us last year because we had three of our positional players in Schwarber, um, Turner, and JT that just didn't get enough at-bats to get ready for the beginning of the season. Um, Harper, of course, wasn't ready. You lose Hoskins right before opening day. Well, that, and you put Derek Hall and he gets hurt. So that's a lot of things to affect in that regard. And it also affected our pitching. Suarez wasn't ready. Tyon Walker wasn't, wasn't quite ready. So, um, I, I think we're in a position where, um, having our players in camp more, getting them more ready ourselves, having that thought process, um, and the folks in that regard will be a way that we can be better prepared to start the season. Dave Dombrowski here with us on WIP. Of course, it fills the spring training in just a couple of days. Dave, Aaron Nola, I'm curious, how worried were you specifically about the Atlanta Braves 
and their desire to sign Aaron Nola? Did that drive you to get to the price you got to because the Braves are the Braves and they're in your division? Well, I was very worried that he would go to the Atlanta Braves or anybody else, but I think the Braves were a legitimate um, person that you knew that they had interest. They publicly said that. You, I, I had a pulse of what their offer was. Um, and I knew Aaron wanted to stay in Philadelphia once we got into the process. He had made that clear all along, but once he was out in free agency, I'm always worried in that case because our best chance is to sign a guy like Aaron. Um, and you can say whomever it may be, Zach Wheeler this year, is before they become a free agent because once they become a free agent, anything can happen out there. So you're in a position where anybody can can overwhelm you. But, yeah, I mean, normally when you sign a free agent – um, you give them more money than you would like to give them or more years, co- the combination. So you get driven to do that. But that's what free agency can create, although you see some free agents out there this year um, that are still sitting there and haven't apparently received the dollars they would want. But, yeah, it, it was a concern that we would lose Aaron. And he's really a good pitcher. And I, we really not only has he been a good pitcher, he's a Philly. You saw the adjustments he made as the year progressed with the, the pitch clock, which was important. Uh, he was quicker to the plate last year at later in the year when he established his, his slide step. So he can, continues to improve, and he's the type of guy that we think can age very well. So uh, we're, we're thrilled that he's back. Dave, fascinating situation a couple months ago. Um, Scott Boris came out and indicated that Bryce Harper wants a new deal with the Phillies. The story publicly seemingly just went away. It's almost like a lot of people probably forgot about it. I know you have not. Should Bryce Harper, who's been unbelievable, should he expect a new deal from the Phils, or are you very comfortable looking him in the eye and saying, listen, big guy, love you, you've been amazing, but that's why John Middleton committed $330 million to you five years ago. What we signed you for is what you're going to get. I mean, should he expect a new deal or not? Well, I would not get into any contract situations publicly, just never really do that. Um, we will say of the utmost respect for Bryce, tremendous players, said everything for the our, our club and, and the team and the city. So he's the type of guy you want to have. Um, he's in a situation where you can always desire or want anybody can anything that they would like. Um, we end up making business decisions that sometimes are difficult. But I, I mean, the way one way I would just say it without getting into any particulars is that uh, we're thrilled that he's on board. He's, we know he's at Philly for eight more years and. Um, there's a lot of times to digest things, but it's a situation where um, we're thrilled that he's on board. And um, again, you can desire and want anything you, you would like, but I think it's also the apparent. Knowing Bryce, when he gets to spring training under any circumstances, he's ready to go and you know you're going to get 100% from him in every regard. Dave, who's the closer of the team? Well, I think that'll be a decision that we'll make in the spring. Uh, and I, I'm not sure even coming out of here that we'll per se have a designated closer. Uh, you work with your managers, and I think we have a few guys that can close games. I mean, Alvarado can close games. Soto's had over 30 saves. Uh, he can close games. Um, Sir Anthony's closed games in the past. Um, Hoffman has the ability to do that. His stuff last year was tremendous. He continued to move up the ladder. Uh, I wouldn't even discount a guy like Kirker in closing some games. So I think we're more of a club that looks at and a manager like using a closer by, if you want to say committee, but on matchups more than you do just say this is a designated guy, unless you have somebody like uh, Mariano Rivera 
Um, of course, you'd give him the ball. And last year when we went came out of the year, we didn't really expect Kimbrell to be our closer. He ended up closing the games and just moved into that role and I think about May and continued in that role. But uh, we feel we have a lot of guys who can close games. Lead-off hitter, do you have a preference? Stott, <laughs> Schwarber, Turner. Is there a Dave Dombrowski February 7th preference? I do, but I think I share that more with Rob Thompson. I'll let him answer that question. <laughs> I think that's uh, that's uh, we we talk about those things, and a lot of people disagree and have different thought processes. Yeah, I have my own personal preferences, but uh, that's Topper's decision, and I'll let him uh, make that one. Dave, is uh, the organization cool with Taiwan Walker? I mean, he he went really public after the off season, after the season, you know, social media stuff. You guys cool with him? Yeah, we're fine. Um, in fact, the other day I was just talking. Um, and first of all, I understand when a guy gets frustrated that he doesn't pitch. And when people look at it, they sometimes it's hard to even for when you're the person involved, when you look at the whole circumstances. We didn't need a fourth starter for a long time, uh, just the way the postseason lined up. And um, so, and he hadn't thrown the ball. So we, we went with the other person. Walker was our fourth starter th- throughout the year, for sure, third or fourth starter. But uh, Rob Thompson's talked to him. Uh, he talked to him at, at great length uh, within the last couple of weeks. And he's fine. He's ready to go, and we're fine with him. So we're looking forward to him being at camp. Dave, two final questions here. The first, and you guys got so close last year to the World Series, and obviously could have won it all, um, five games away from winning it all. It was another great thrill for the fans to get that close, though. Um, any lessons learned from the elimination last year in the postseason or any part of the postseason journey? Well, I don't know if it's as much lesson learned. I mean, most of our lessons were pretty good until we got to the very end. Um, we got up two games to zero. I, I, I don't think our players did take anything for granted at that point, but I will give uh, one thing that ended up taking place, and, and we have looked at this over the winter time, is that I give the Diamondbacks credit um, they really uh, adjusted, and we chased a lot those last few games out of balls out of the strike zone. And I think that's something that we're susceptible to doing, but it's also things you can work on. And so it's been a focus for us in that regard, even in discussing with our hitters over the winter time. And we've got some different thought process and different drills that we'll focus on when we get to spring training to hopefully help us a little bit in that regard. And, and Dave, the Andrew Painter rehab How's it going, and when does the organization expect him to be able to pitch in, in any game? Obviously, it would first happen in a, in a minor league game. What's the timeline for Andrew Painter? Well, Painter's rehab is going fine. He's uh, here actually in the minor league camp in our, our camp. Uh, he, right now, he's where he needs to be. But he's just tossing at this point, which is where he should be. I don't really look uh, for Andrew to pitch this year. I'm looking towards 2025. I guess you can always be surprised, but I don't want to put that pressure on him. But uh, – so far, everything's been just as, as thought uh, from the surgery. The rehab's been great, but that's uh, really more the time frame than anything this year. All right, Dave, and I got one more. I said two more. I have a third and final. Here we go. I mean, baseball operations covers a lot of ground, including music selection in the clubhouse. <laughs> Should dancing on my own be put to bed because, you know, you did not win the World Series the last two years, or is it too integral to this group of players to Phillies fans in a recent Phillies history to shove it aside. Should it be embraced moving forward or not? No, I'll give you the, the, the realistic answer on that. I like this song. I didn't know the song before it got played a couple of years ago. I like this song. And really, my vote counts as zero in this regard. 
the, the players will make that decision themselves. And uh, I, you can make an argument uh, any way you would like on that one. I like this song, but those guys will sit down and decide if they should play it or not, and they'll, they will not ask my opinion whatsoever. <laughs> it only goes yeah. so far. The, the, bo- the boss's right. leverage only goes so far. Dave, uh, good luck, obviously, with you know what's up ahead in the coming weeks with spring training and then ultimately the start of the season, and we look forward to, to talking it throughout it. Thank you, Dave. Sounds great. Thanks a lot. Thanks. All right, there Bye-bye. he is, Dave Dombrowski, president of Baseball Operations. So, Rojas, Seltzer, I need, I need you to, to discern here. I told you. Is that, I said this. Well, hold on. Is that because Rojas is the guy or because he's saying Rojas is the guy unless they sign someone else, which they could still do? Yeah, of course they could still sign someone, but I, I said to you this whole time that I thought they believed in Rojas more than you did, more than the public did, and I still believe that. Because, John, he and was it sounds like strong he's doing Rojas. really well with, look, he's he's getting at-bats, and at-bats, like, FaceTime at-bats. Like, he's with the pitching, hitting coaches, the, the assistant coaches all the time, and even more so because you can do it with technology now. Well, look, we'll take your immediate reaction to that interview and everything we've been discussing today, which which also includes Jalen Hurts, which includes Joel Embiid, the game in Brazil. I mean, all of this is on the table. Your assessment of what you heard from Dombrowski there, who right out of the gate very candidly said, yeah, I, I, I'd call it a quiet offseason, which it has been. But I will say this, and this is why to the Twitter poll we've been asking today, are you, are you disappointed with the Phillies offseason? I'm not in part because they do have a good team. There, there wasn't – I mean, let's put it this way. If the Eagles next year make one big change – we got a big problem because they need to change like 14 different things. The Phillies didn't need to change 14 different things. And I'll tell you, he said something there I was very encouraged by, that they put big money on the table for the Japanese pitcher. That tells me they got more up their sleeve. Now, might not happen in the next, you know, month and a half before the season starts, but that means this organization that's gave $300 yeah. million to Bryce Harper and Trey Turner. For the right and hundreds guy, of millions for other, yeah, they'll I mean, continue to add the big blockbuster yeah, deals. That's, that's a pretty juicy piece. I mean, because yeah. if you remember, guys, Nola signed first. So if they were willing to go there, now, theoretically, maybe the Phillies could have rescinded their offer after Nola signed. So I guess technically, maybe we don't know that it was both. But No, it was both. Nola signed first. No, but theoretically... The Phillies could have put $250 million on the table for the Japanese pitcher and removed that after no, Nola signed. No, no, no. The reporting was way after Nola happened. Like, the Phillies were in it till the end. The Phillies— okay, well, that was my interpretation when he offered said it. him over $300 million was what that's, was reported. That's pretty wild. All right, let's go to the phones. Your reaction to what you heard. Chuck in Worcester. What's up, Chuck? Listen, let me tell you something. When you write your memoirs, if you ever do, this guy is the greatest interview you ever do. You do know that, don't you? This guy is phenomenal. That's number one. Number two— I am tired of hearing about this first baseman. Look, people don't understand the game. They watch this guy. The injury he had was, it should have never happened. The guy was, he understands how to play that position. Doesn't know how to surround the ball. Doesn't know how to run through a ball. Doesn't do right hand, right foot. This guy had to go. Why we keep talking about this, I have no idea. Well, Joe, he's a better, because he's a better—he's he's a much better hitter than Rojas currently is. That's why. I'm talking about the ball player. He makes the whole team around it weaker when you got to play him. But let me say this to you because you're a bright guy. Why are you asking this guy a question that you know he's not going to answer? Which one? Which one? 
Bryce Harper, why would you ask him that? You know you're not getting an answer out of him. Well, you're probably not, but you got to ask the question. And you got to discern from what he says what you think of what he says. Well, let me say this to you. In spite of everything I've said, great interview, Joe. Well, thank you. Thank you. But, I mean, Chuck, here's what I'll say on the Bryce Harper thing. You never quite know what you're going to get. And well, that question you do. Uh, probably, but you, you don't know, no. You got to well, ask. Listen, Bryce Harper and Scott Boris try to try to put the Phillies up against the wall. I mean, they went public. That was a pretty well, provocative action. I'm waiting and to by see the, how And by the way, them. Chuck, I, well, we know how they've handled it so far. You ain't getting a new deal. And if you notice what Dombrowski said, while saying not much on that question and he, when he answered it, he did reference eight years to go. Like, well, it's in his mind because let's be real, Chuck. Who that has eight years left on their deal in any industry gets a new deal? I mean, a president can't even get a ninth year. You know what the bottom line is? (laughs) Unless you're FDR. The bottom line is for 20 minutes, you had the ears of the city. Great job. Thank you, Chuck. I appreciate the phone call. Well, John, John, good stuff from from him as well. I mean, listen, Dombrowski is an interesting interview because in part, first off, you know you're talking to an adult. Let's start with that. Okay, he's been around the block. He knows how to answer questions. But he also does actually answer most He's questions. He's very honest. Doesn't lie yeah. a lot. It's, I don't think he lies. I, I don't know that he lies at all. I don't I don't remember an executive who at least it feels like he's telling you the truth more in my life. I agree. And it's a tough thing to do because you're being asked probing questions and we know some people lie and some people don't, some people hedge, and I, I think he's he's pretty darn giving there with what he and says. And it might actually hurt you not to lie. Like you like giving away your yeah trade secrets might be a bad idea but he's just very straightforward now listen very i will say this and Ma- brilliant may- on top of it maybe when he said likely that rojas starts maybe it's a little bit of a fib because he might know he could be signing a center fielder or a left fielder in the next 12 hours or 12 days and he doesn't want that guy's agent to know so it's like, all right, we're pumping up Rojas. Totally. But at the same time, I mean, he that gives you the thing way. about Schwarber and his knees. And well, that, he was he, clear there. He was very clear. He's like, we had to get Schwarber out of left field. You don't hear executives say that often. He was very clear he didn't want Schwarber in left field. He was very clear about that. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.